Hey. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode three. Welcome back. To episode three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you said it. <laughs> I did. I kind of thought you were going to agree with me, but, you know, I think it's clear. It's episode three. This episode is the one I've been actually looking forward to. I've been looking forward to all the episodes this season, which is focused on healing. By the way, you guys, I'm very proud of my husband because he produced the, what, I think he produced like two of these episodes um, this season. Uh, so we decided to focus this season on healing, as you've heard from our previous podcast. This one is very special because it's got my girl, Phyla Antwine. She is a, hey. yes, hello, she's a relationship <laughs> coach as well as a, what would you call, like a self-help? No, what would you call yourself? Well, I'm a, a life coach, but I focus on helping women to build healthy relationships and to create a practice of sacred self-care. So those are the principles that I focus on in coaching women in their predominant uh, areas of life. So I always say to women that it's life coaching, but it's a focus specifically on the aspects of sacred self-care and healthy relationships. I love it. And so that's going to, that basically, if I'm going to ride off the coattails of that, it's going to introduce our title, because now we have titles that we're going to talk about. And this episode is called Hey There, Lonely Girl. And it's healing the single woman. And that's why we have our guest, Phyla. She's going to, I mean, she's going to give us the good, bad, the ugly. She's going to drop some wonderful gems. And we're just going to dive right in. How about that, guys? Sounds Let's good to do me. it. Yay. All right. So um, in the previous podcast, we talk about toxicity, identifying toxicity. And I feel like that's going to be like the buzzword for 2020 going into 21, toxic, toxic, toxic. And I want people, and we all know what happens with buzzwords. Um, once they're out in uh, the everyday lexicon, it then becomes watered down and it loses its power. So let's keep it here. Let's keep that power here where it's like, this is exact. we are identifying exactly what toxicity is. And we're not just going to um, use it frivolously or loosely. We're going to like properly identify. And I'm so glad you're here with us to do that, Phyla, and to help us and our listeners do that at home. So, um, Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, Phyla, in order for you to help others, you had to help yourself. Of course. Of course. I think we all have to do that first. Right. So what opened your eyes to your toxic traits or to see the toxic people in your life, both as a single woman and as a married woman? Um, so I think that in order to really become focused on healing from any aspect, you have to go back to the places, the spaces, and the experiences that you've had in the past. So for myself and whenever I'm working with clients, you know, we start at the beginning for the most part, and then we work our way up to now. Um, and for me in particular, my personal experiences are the things that drive me in my business and are the things that have led me to really take on the purpose of coaching women and helping other women find personal healing. I'm a sexual abuse survivor myself, and I believe that that trauma really set the stage for who I am now 
So when I got to a point of wanting to do the work and wanting to heal as an adult woman, I really was forced to go back to that place of being taken advantage of or abused as a child. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Um, yes. Wow. Help. And so, wow. Go ahead. No, just keep you know, going. So, so when you, I was just going to say, you know, when you do that, it, well, one of two things can happen, right? For a lot of people who are seeking healing, they'll go back to those places, but they don't find healing there because you get back to those emotional spaces internally and sometimes we get stuck. Mm-hmm. So you get stuck in the negative emotions, you get stuck in the pain, you get stuck in the trauma, and you end up just reliving it. Or you go back to those places and those emotional spaces with the intention of healing, especially when you have a coach guiding you, you're able to look at what happened to you in those negative spaces from a personally empowered place. So you're not going back to stay there, but you're really going back to review as opposed to relive the situation and then see how you can move forward in a new way so that you can become a new you, if that makes sense as well. It's not if, it does. And okay, yes, good. <laughs> yes. um, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, so you were sexually abused as a child. Um, yes. How, like, how was that, like, you know, because if it, if it happens as a child, you got to go through, you know, your teens and, and your young adult life. Um, mm-hmm. How did that, like, impact you um, as far as, like, your relationship growing, like, in, in that stage of your life? So it impacted everything, right? Because when we are growing up and coming into our own idea of who we are, those experiences that are traumatic disrupt the healthy patterns that we're forming. For me, I was molested from the ages of 11 to 13. And so those are those formative years, right? When you're learning who you are and trying to figure out who you are and trying to find yourself and beginning to assert yourself um, sexually as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean as far as the behavior or the sexual activity, but just learning and understanding that you're a sexual being. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out how to maneuver in those spaces and be comfortable with that is already traumatic as a teen, Mm -hmm. but then you throw in having abuse or having some sort of emotional or intimate trauma happen, and it really changes the way that you think. So from my personal experience, it altered my psychology in a way that was so confusing because it conflicted with everything I had previously been taught about intimacy and sexuality. Wow. Right? And it's so powerful because we're taught certain things when we're children, and that's what you believe. And so then when you have an experience that interferes with what you've been taught and what you believe, now you almost don't know what to believe and you don't know if the rest of your beliefs, right, are even real or right or true. Mm -hmm. And so I was thrown into this um, spiral of emotions where I really had to figure out why was this happening to me? 
um, what had I done to create this experience for myself, and if I deserved this in some way. Mm-hmm. Right, because it, all of it is tied to your self worth, especially when we're in that stage of life where we're trying to figure out who we are and what we add to the world. So it really created um, so much emotional turmoil and inner conflict that I was really unable to have relationships with others for a long time. Like I didn't date as a teenager Mm -hmm. because it was just, um, there was just a lot of mess going on internally. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as I got older, um, as I, as I got older and like started to get into relationships, I didn't immediately notice it, but when I started to do the work and I started to figure out that I did need to, to heal some places, that's when I began to really recognize, Manny, that it was showing up in my current relationships, in the men that I was attracting, the men that I was choosing, the type of behavior that I was condoning, and that was when I was like, okay, I really have to now change who I have become so that I can create different results in my life. Wow. That's great. I'm sorry, babe. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's just like crazy how, um, like that person that did that to you just totally, um, messed up that aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And, thank God that you had the wherewithal to notice that and, and then to have to do the work to, to, to fix that because, wow. I'll tell you what, um, because I don't, you know, I don't live from a place of victimhood as far as Mm -hmm. that experience is concerned. Mm -hmm. And I have done enough work, not enough work to stop, but I've at least done enough work and gained enough awareness to be grateful even for the trauma that was caused Mm -hmm. because had it not been for that trauma, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be in the position I am now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the wisdom and the insight that I have now. So I understand that every single thing that happens in life happens for us and is not happening to us. Right. Right. But it took me doing my own work to even be able to come from that perspective. And that takes wow, a lot. I, I, I like that. It happens for us, not happens to us. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that because that now puts you in, a, like you said, that takes you out of the victim position because mm-hmm. unfortunately we do have, um, and yes, this is an episode about women for women, but we can include men in that too. But we do have a lot of women that are rush that that want to rush to the victim seat instead okay. of actually rush to heal. Um, but how you worded it um, happened to us, happened for us versus happened to us, actually allows the the, the allows acknowledgement of being a victim at one point, but it pushes it catapults us now into the position of being grateful. Does that make okay. sense? Right, like. Absolutely. Self-aware and forgiveness because you can't get there and you can't believe that this happened for a purpose or for you if you cannot forgive. And if you can't, I, I just, like, I know for a fact with me, with violations that happened in my life, boundaries that were, were, were disrespected in my life, that now as an adult, I'm able to say, if, 
if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't be able to be who I am in certain areas and I wouldn't have the lessons that I have, right, the lessons that, that, that I'm able to take with me and, uh-huh. and share with others or live a life from, like, you know, gratitude of, like, thanks for these lessons if I didn't forgive. Because it's, yeah. it would have been completely impossible. And I think that's also, if I may, that's also part of the work. And um, that's another buzzword or buzz phrase that's in the atmosphere, the work, the work. And it's like, well, what is this work? And people can say, oh, I've done the work. But if your work looks like, you know, a reality TV skit where you're throwing, <laughs> you know, liquor in somebody's face, eh, you're really not doing the work, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah right but if and, and I said this to my sister about a, a family member um, when it came to healing and I said I firmly believe that when you heal the healing if it's genuine it's not just for you but for the community right for your village it affects everybody in your village and people you don't even know because healing I believe um, is has a rippling effect but if you're not doing the healing or if you're doing if you're if it's for selfish reasons, it only benefits you, but it manipulates others. Mm, that's mm-hmm, what I firmly mm-hmm. believe, and I've seen it, and that's how I was able to share that, because I've seen people who have done the work, legitimately done the healing, and operate from a place of healing and forgiveness, and that mindset of happening for us, and I've seen how that has a rippling effect in, a commu- in their immediate community, and, they're, and, and people they don't even know but have a chance to share their testimony with versus those who say, well, I, I've done the work and I'm healing, but yet they spit bricks every morning. And it's, right, it's like, right. <laughs> so what are you really doing? But thank God, and I'm so thankful for your, for your shift, right, your, your shift in mind and your shift in viewing that because I, I'm very positive that, and I'm very certain that that's going to help someone listening to this uh, this episode, just that little phrase right there. I'm very certain. Yeah. And, you know, let, I want to be totally transparent and clear that healing is a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. You, you don't ever get to be healed, mm-hmm. right? You are always moving forward from a position of wanting to further your healing, to further your understanding, to learn more about yourself. And I got, I came to a point where I was able to, really reflect on on my experiences and the trauma that I went through. And when I think about it now, because I have done a lot of work, and for me, my work looked like therapy. My work um, looked like really being honest and speaking my own truth. My work looked like me sharing my story with others and creating a business around helping other women to come out of their places of hurt. Mm. So whatever your work is, it doesn't have to look like anyone else's, but it does have to be a continuous process because it doesn't stop. And I was able to get to a point where I recognized that the person who hurt me had to be hurting on such a deep level, Mm -hmm. had to be living such a miserable, unhappy, unfulfilled life to inflict that kind of of pain, that kind of um, trauma on another person. And that made me empathetic and compassionate in a way that I didn't even know I could be. Now, that happened years later, years and years later. Um, But when I did get there, 
it allowed me to understand how important my healing was and my healing is, like you said, to the community. Mm -hmm. And I always tell my clients that if you have ever been a victim, the only responsibility of the victim is to heal. I don't tell you that you need to forgive. I don't tell you that you need to say that the only thing you need to do is heal because when you begin to heal yourself, you transmute all of the negative emotion and all of the negativity that has been thrust upon you. Mm-hmm. And that then goes back and impacts the person who hurt you, the generations before you, and it creates a new pathway now for the generations that come after you. So I absolutely believe that when you do the work, whatever that work is for you, and you are genuinely working on your healing, you are clearing up the karma, you're paying off the karmic debt, you're creating a new energetic frequency and vibration for everyone and everything that's connected to you. Um, you, you, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's very, uh, very deep there. Um, what does like doing the work look for? Uh, like I know it's, it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, but what is like some of the, Hello? Like some of the steps? Like some of the steps or the outlines that that you use or you guide people to use? Um, so the first thing that we all have to do is acknowledge the unpleasant things that have occurred in our lives. And for so many people, that's the hardest part, which that's why most people don't get to a healing place. That's why most people don't overcome their challenges or their tragedies or their trauma because they're so busy resisting the truth of it and running from it that they don't ever stop to acknowledge that it actually happened. So the first step is that you want to acknowledge the things that have occurred in your life that didn't feel good, that weren't pleasant, that make you feel ashamed or guilty or hurt or sad right? This myriad of emotions is normal for human beings, but we live in an age now where everyone just wants you to be positive all the time. Mm -hmm. And everyone is like, be happy, just choose happiness and choose positivity every day. And sometimes choosing positivity means being honest Mm -hmm. and honesty doesn't always feel good, right? Mm -hmm. So if we acknowledge the things that have happened to us that are unpleasant, that's the start. Then if we honor our feelings around those things, especially when they don't feel good, as opposed to trying to suppress the negative emotions and masking it with this false positivity, which then creates anxiety and depression and bipolar disorder in so many people. Mm-hmm. And we will be able to recognize where those feelings are showing up in the other areas of our lives. So then you can say, okay, this thing happened to me. 
when I think about this thing, I feel hurt, I feel shame, I feel abandoned, I feel neglected. And now, wow, I see that I carry those feelings with me and in my relationship with my spouse or in my relationship with my children or in my relationship with my coworkers, I'm playing that victim again. And then you can start creating um, a plan to resolve that that negative emotion and those feelings in you. And I think that's probably for everyone. You can begin to start being reflective about how to heal yourself from those few steps. Does that make sense? Complete sense. Yes. It reminds me of sleep. It doesn't, it reminds me of um, when I had to, when I had to basically, when I came to the end of self, right. And I um, had to do the work, but I also, realized that part of that work, a huge part of that work, was becoming even more self-aware um, of how my behavior or my words or just my, just my person affected others. <laughs> and I remember um, telling my best friend, Deb, like, uh, I, need to, I, you know, I need to own a lot of things. I need to own a lot of things about myself that I might have either put on the back burner or I might have dismissed because maybe it came from somebody else. And sometimes you shoot the messenger instead of, um, <laughs> you know, instead of shooting yourself, if, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But, um, and I had to deal with it and I had to look at myself and say, this is ugly and it hurts. At the same time, because of who I am and my personality, when the hurt came, I got excited and it felt good. It sucked, but it felt good. It was like a perfect dichotomy. Like how does it hurt and feel good at the same time? <laughs> but, um, you know, I think they call that like a pleasure pain or something, but um, uh-huh. it hurt, but it felt good because I remember at, t- at the time when I was, that was when I just started going to Hillsong. And um, I remember uh, Carl Lentz, the pastor said that when you are aware that you're sick, you're actually a lot healthier than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And I took that and I rode with it because I was like, oh, man, like if, I, if I'm aware that something's up, then I'm actually a lot more healthier than I think I am. That doesn't mean I'm healthy. <laughs> but it means I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that deep down in the ditch. Like I think I am and I'm doing the work. I, okay, let's do this. And, oh, Phyla, yes, there were some things that were very, very ugly about me that I had to remove and eradicate but I also realized that no matter how much work I have done or may have done or am still, sorry, done and may have done, there are some atrocities or some things that aren't gone but are left, are still in me, and I have to manage them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think we all do. Yeah, there's some things that we have to, and I was like, because I would sit there and be like, God, 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 kind of like Paul was like, Oh, remove this thorn. I was like, psych, it's going to stay. Um, I realized that too, also for us, where we, no matter what we do and try to remove some traits or try to, you know, some bad traits or try to get rid of some bad habits or change a mindset, that it's actually not going to go away, but we have to manage it, which then allows us to become um, reliant on a a healthy counteract that you know you understand what I'm saying like if I'm used yeah. to, if I'm used to always thinking negatively about something 
and it, it's not going away, I have to manage it. Now I have to counteract that with something positive. So I'm always going to search for something positive. And wow, I'm loving this conversation. I really, really am. And you're dropping such, some, such wonderful gems. In the, my husband was going to say something, so I'm going to zip it. Go ahead. No, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. That's I wasn't. marriage for us. I do all the talking, and my husband just kind of waits until I finish and shut up. <laughs> oh, man. But you, you, you kind of, wow. Um, so what we talked about, um, you know, self-reflecting. We talked about self-awareness. We talked about some of the steps that one can do that Manny asked, one of the steps that we can take in our healing so my question is this, for the girl who is not quite there yet, who, for the girl who is like, oh, you know, I've heard, my friends have kind of told me that maybe I, you know, this and that. Um, or for the girl who is listening to this podcast and is wondering if they have any toxic traits or toxicity or trauma or issues that they need to let go and work through or heal from, how can they, I, the question that I'm, I'm going to ask is this, what does it look like in real time, in real life? So I can tell you from experience that um, a person who is consistent, like, like consistently defensive and just doesn't really, they, they, they listen to have an answer and that answer is defensive that that is not because, yes, they're angry, but really under that anger is um, a hurt that they've left undealt with. And it's coming out, in, or a violation, and it's coming out in this defensive way where they really aren't taking the time to, to listen to what's being said and really processing it through uh, healed ears or healed, mm-hmm. healed filters, filters because they're not healed. So how, how, does, this, how does toxicity... Um, rear its ugly head in in everyday life, so to speak. So to the first uh, part of your question where you said if if there's a woman listening who's wondering, you know, if she has some toxic behaviors, first I just want to say yes. (laughs) If there's a woman listening, if there's a man listening, if there's a human being listening, you have some toxic behavior traits or patterns um, or actions that come up from time to time. Everybody does. That's Mm -hmm. just the nature of humanity. But secondly, when you want to recognize when and where and how, I would tell you to just check your triggers, Hmm. right? What are the things that trigger you consistently? And even though I have done the self-work, and even though I'm a professional in the self-help and healing industry, I still have triggers. I still get triggers. I still sometimes allow my emotions to take me on a spiral Mm -hmm. based on my past experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you are ever going to get to a point of being perfect, but you get to a point of awareness where you can now say, oh, there there it goes. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. Right? That was it. So if you are triggered in intimate spaces when someone maybe wants to support you. Mm-hmm. You want to take a look at that. If you are triggered in you know, the workspace where maybe someone is offering guidance, if you have issues with authority even and you're triggered when someone seems to assert themselves over you, whatever your triggers are, mm-hmm. that really is a cue to where the toxicity lies 
within your life and you can be able to sort of connect those dots internally. But you have to be willing, of course, to to seek the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times where my husband will point out to me, you know, you got really triggered about that. Mm-hmm. And I'll blatantly deny it. I wasn't triggered. I wasn't triggered. They were wrong and they shouldn't have done and all these things. But then when I take a step back and I'm by myself and he's not right in my face, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm able to really hold myself accountable, I can say, you know what, I was triggered by that. And I may have overreacted. Why did that feel the way that it did for me? Why did I react the way that I did as opposed to responding to what was happening in the situation? And when you start to ask yourself those questions, those questions will lead to answers. Those answers will lead to more questions. Those more questions will lead to more answers. Hmm. But, hmm. Right, but, but the but, thing is, most people are afraid to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but you also have to have the um, the self knowledge, I'm gonna say to add to like to sit there and ask yourself these questions, like to to be aware, right? You have to be aware to 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 realize, you know, why did I get triggered, right? Because some people they'll just go like they'll get triggered and you know, oh, she should have never said that and blah, blah, blah. This is why, you know, like in their own minds, they'll think that, that Mm -hmm. she should have never said that. And this is why I reacted like that. So it's her fault and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll just go about their day. Right. No, I agree. I agree. There are a lot of people who are addicted to the toxicity and get high off of the negativity. So they don't want to make any changes. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because they, they, they feel that they were wronged and that was it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that generally is because they're still living in a victim story. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Where there's right. safety. And then you find out their safety is just a matter of convenience. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. So it's, they're not ever going to ask themselves, you know, why did I get triggered or why was I offended or why was I upset? Because they're still, reliving whatever victimization that took place in their own lives as an adult now. Mm -hmm. And it almost makes you feel like you have the right to mistreat other people because you believe that you're protecting yourself. And let's be clear, even our negative habits in adulthood may have served us at another time in our lives. Mm -hmm. But there comes a time, right, where you have to put away childish things. It may not be serving you anymore. And so now it's time for you to stop doing those things that helped you 10 years ago or 15 years ago. We acknowledge that, but you're not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like specifically to my situation, other young women and young men who are sexually or physically abused as children create defense mechanisms. And some of that defense mechanism you know, looks like having a bad attitude, looks like um, being a bully, looks like being very standoffish and abrasive Mm -hmm. because you believe that if you allow people to get close, they could potentially hurt you and maybe you don't have the ability to protect yourself because you're a child. But when you become an adult, 
you now have a responsibility to learn new tools Mm -hmm. and to pick up new mechanisms of self-protection so that you don't have to be aggressive and abrasive because as an adult, that doesn't serve you in the workplace, in a relationship, just out in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like you said, Manny, it does take a certain level of self-awareness in order to recognize, okay, this is not healthy, um, and I don't want to feel like this all the time. Right, mm-hmm. right. I don't want to feel like this all the time. But yeah. that and, requires a level of strength that a lot of people don't allow themselves to tap into. Right. Like, I see it, I see it a lot, um, like, just out in the street, you know, you see just the the stereotypical you know wannabe thug or whatever and he's like walking down the street and say for instance he's listening to music like as loud as he can like on these you know those little portable speakers it's like it's like he he's rude to everyone on the street you know but he feels like he has the right to be you know mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Trying to say that like, sense of entitlement. Yeah, that sense of entitlement, and you know, yeah. like, that and, and me. like, I just see that. I see that type of behavior and that type of person. I'm like, wow. Um, <laughs> I feel so bad. Like, not not that I'm perfect, and I'm not claiming that I'm perfect or anything, but I do have self awareness, and I am willing. To self, uh, you're willing to do um, the work. That's one thing. You're willing. You've always been willing to do the work. Since yeah, I've known you. yeah. And um, that's the thing that attracted me to you, other than your smile and your eyes and your laughter. It was a wrap. As soon as he laughed, I was like, "Oh no, I'm fading. I'm fading. I'm melting. <laughs> the senses are gone." But um, the fact that he showed up, and that's the thing. Um, so it's it's no secret. People that listen to us, they know that we've been in past relationships. We aren't each other's first first love of like you know in relationships or anything like that. And it's no secret that I have uh, bonus babies. Manny has three kids from a um, oh my gosh, Previous. I was about to say situationship because I was trying to merge two words together, and that was horrible, <laughs> horrible. A previous relationship. Um, yes previous relationship. Yeah. Ooh, not situationship. That that wasn't a situationship. So, um and when he got to me, um my my thing was, listen. We you know, I asked a couple of questions because I needed to know where they were because as you know, Phila, when dealing with uh, you know, as as you know in when coaching and talking to women, you you've learned that like not every breakup is always a clean breakup. Sometimes there are sinews that last for months, sometimes years. And when there are children involved, sometimes it's never a clean breakup. It's a vicious cycle of makeup to break up, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, what's going on? And I asked all the questions, all the questions. Like, when was the last time you guys had sex? When was the last time you guys saw each other? Because guess Good what? for you. Yeah, I did because I'm, no, I'm nobody's fool because I also, I've been there. I've been in that relationship where you guys break up 
and then, but you, mm-hmm. but two months later, you're still on the phone. Three months later, you're in each other's bed. Four months later, you're arguing again. It's just messy. It's just messy. messy. So I was like, <laughs> um, listen, how old is your youngest? Because if, if he or she is under a certain age, I want no parts. That's not a breakup. You guys are going to get back together. Um, right. You know, all that stuff. And I, I asked him, but my main question was, what did you learn? Did you learn anything? And not even what did you learn about the other person, what did you learn about yourself? What Mm -hmm. ugliness and what atrocities did you learn about yourself in that relationship? Because, let's be real, I'm not into into dating shampoo bottles where you lather, rinse, repeat. I'm not. (laughs) Because I did the work to not be one myself because I saw that in my 12-year relationship from 18 to 30, we did a lot of lather, rinse, repeating, and it got us nowhere. We are, we are very good friends now. We ended, uh, we ended our relationship by starting a friendship, and uh, he's married to a beautiful woman, and I'm very happy, and I know that he is head over heels in love, and I didn't want to go through that again. Because mm. I was on good the trajectory for, for marriage. I was like, listen, I want to get married. I want to have children. I was also... Because of the time, I was also on a different trajectory when Manny came into the picture, which was I actually had made the transition onto the marriage and children from kind of settling in myself that maybe I, maybe marriage is not going to happen, so I'll get into a co-parenting situation, which, ladies, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> please don't. No, don't, because after becoming a mom, I am so thankful that God was like, let me protect this idiot from herself. <laughs> because you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take it on. It's not to say that the woman who is already doing it, shame on you. No, good for you. You made a decision for yourself. But for the woman who was in a position like me, hold out. Hold on. Just hold on and, and, and keep thinking about it because it may not be something that, you're, that you genuinely are doing for self, but maybe out of desperation. And that's one thing I had to learn about myself, that maybe I was doing that out of loneliness, maybe I was doing that out of a rushed feeling, and maybe I was doing that out of desperation because I felt like I needed to check something off of a list in due time. Um, So when I got to Manny, uh, I had done the work, healed, and I wanted to ask him. So I asked him, did you do the work? Did you heal? And I even asked, asked him all different types of questions. Like, have you ever been in a fisticuffs with a woman? Have you, ever, um, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Because I needed to know who I was dealing with. And when he answered every question, my follow-up was, what did you learn from that? How are you not, what, do, what do you have in place in your life to keep from repeating anything that you've done before? Because I, made it, I also made it clear to him, Phyla, I was like, listen, I don't know who or what you've had before, but this is what you have now. You have a woman who knows her worth. You have a woman who's not going to give you the best years of her thighs and pop out kids like Pez and not get your last name. And where we end up like a, a, like a Sesame Street episode where one of these things is not like the other because the kids got your last name, but I don't, and we're just playing mm-hmm. house. I was like, my mm-hmm. mom and dad, they may not be together. That's okay. But one thing they did was they raised a smart cookie that said, listen, you don't play house. You're worth marriage. You're worth a man committing to you. You're worth a man taking you under his wing into his home, giving you his last name, 
and saying, I am entering into a covenant with this woman. This is the person I want to grow through life with. So I'm going to legally, emotionally, and spiritually take on this woman and be like, and, and say, I stand with her, right? Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. I'm no fool. Not a fool at all. I said, listen, if anything, because I can be foolish, you might get a kid out of me. But then after that, I'm be like, what's up? <laughs> right, right. Like, what's up? You know, after a year, I'm be like, what's up? Because I firmly believe men know. Men know who and when they, who they want to marry. And men know when it's that time for them and when it's the woman. They will certainly know. They don't need, men do not need 10, 15, 20 years to test drive you. We are not cars. So I asked him, and he did the work. He told me. And when he was telling me all that, I was just sitting there, and he didn't know, but I was getting excited because I was like, ooh, yes. <laughs> yes, he owns this. He owns it. And that was another thing, Phyla, is that he owned his shit. He owned his faults. He owned his shortcomings. He owned where... He messed up in, previous, in his previous relationship, like where he fell short and he could have picked up, uh, 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 how do you say, what's it say? Pick, not picked up the slack, but, um, you know, he owned where he messed up and he could have done differently. You know, he mm-hmm. owned all of that. And so I was just like, yep, this is, this is someone I can see growing life with because he's going to own it. He's going to own when he falls. He's going to own when he messes up. And the last thing you want to do is be with someone who doesn't own their stuff. And that's why I'm not with her. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, but, we thank God for each other, that's for sure. Yes, but the, the, just to give, give you the other side of the coin, um, it was, and it still is, a breath of fresh air when I met her and when I spoke to her and, and the conversations that we would have, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is an adult. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. This is an adult. Like, I love this. This is not a child. This is not, you know, she like, just as I own my shit, she owned her shit. And it was just, like I told her, like a breath of fresh air. I loved every minute of it, and I still love every minute of it also. Still. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about that is that is really what happens when you mature, when you grow, when you change, when you evolve. You don't have to sift through um non-factors, you know what I mean? You get the quality up front because you're presenting yourself as quality. You're bringing value to the space. So you're automatically going to attract better quality people just overall in your life. And I think that's something that's so important because people are resistant to doing the healing and the work and just getting better because it's going to be hard. But then when you do it, it takes off so much pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> what are you thinking, Boo? Um, I was going to ask her, um, like, what are, what are some ways to, I don't think there's a foolproof way, but what are some ways to, like, 
um, keep the toxicity out. And I'm not just mm. saying uh, just yourself or, you know, but like the people and the behaviors, like what are, what are some of those things that you teach people like to, to like, how do I identify it? You know? Mm-hmm. 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 So, um, Specifically with my sacred self-care system, I am careful to make sure that my clients understand that taking care of yourself has to be a holistic practice, right? I think in this day and age, um, we hear a lot about mindset and everybody's talking about your mindset and your mindset. And it's great to work on your mindset, but aside from your mind space, you have a heart space, you have a soul space, you have a physical space. And so we want to make sure that we are being intentional about preserving and protecting ourselves and our peace in all of those areas. So first and foremost, I believe that you have to have a spiritual practice doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go anywhere or that you have to subscribe to a religion or that you have to do anything that anyone else does, but we are spiritual beings having human experiences. Mm -hmm. There is a soul here. Mm -hmm. And so if you do not have a practice that connects you to your soul, then your life is always going to have some level of toxicity in it. So first and foremost, you have to have a spiritual practice. I don't care if you meditate, if you pray, if you worship the sun, if you, whatever it is for you, right? Mm -hmm. You just need to do what feels good to your soul and what feeds your soul and what nourishes you on a soulful, spiritual level. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you do have to um, condition your mind. And so for so many of us, that means unlearning a lot of the things that we learned growing up, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to people of color, because we've grown up in a society that has taught us and told us that we are not good enough just to be, we're not even, we're not good enough to just have the simple things that life is designed to give us. And so, so many of us are walking around with an inferiority complex and we don't understand that. Hmm. So you have to pour into your mind. You, You need to read. You need to listen to things that affirm you. You need to be in spaces where you can see other positive people who look like you. Right. It's so important Um, for me, especially with my children. Like I have a daughter who is seven. I have a son who's 14. One of the things that we've always done in our home is have images that look like us. Mm -hmm. Right. And whatever happens out in the world happens out in the world. But here in this space, I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to affirm your beauty. I'm going to affirm your greatness. You know, I'm going to affirm who we are as a family. And as um, an African-American family of mixed heritage, mm-hmm. as everybody is, if you're from America or the Caribbean, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? In mm-hmm. any way, right. yeah. we are made up of different cultures. 
and that's great. That's fine. But you definitely need to have images that look like you, that look like the people in your family, that look like the people around you so you can feel affirmed in the space that you're in. And then you also want to make sure that you are telling yourself affirming things, reading things that affirm you, listening to things that affirm you to create that mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And you have the right to remove yourself from any physical spaces that do not uplift you. So that means that sometimes those friendships that you've had for 20, 30 years, even some of those family members, you get to pull away from Mm -hmm. so that you can really create the type of energy that you want to experience in your life. And then finally, emotionally, um, it's so important to just honor your own feelings Mm -hmm. and to say no when you feel like you want to because it conflicts with how you feel or it conflicts with your moral compass. And that's something that too many people don't know how to do anymore because we live in this copycat era. Mm -hmm. If someone else is doing it, I'm supposed to do it too, even if it doesn't feel right. Um, But you don't have to. And so as you learn to say no more often to the things that don't feel good to you and are not in line with who you want to be, that will really help you to um, start saying yes to the things that do give you pleasure and give you joy in a healthy way. So I think those would be the four things that I would say to start. Have a spiritual practice, right? Feed your mind, read books and watch documentaries and learn about yourself and who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Put yourself in spaces that affirm you and then remove yourself from spaces that are toxic because the more that you are in a space with toxic people and toxic behavior, the longer you're going to allow that toxicity to take root in your own life and the harder it will be to recognize toxic behaviors and patterns because they'll just seem normal. Mm. Did that answer your question, Manny? I feel like that was kind of long-winded, but did it answer you? (laughs) Oh, definitely, definitely. And as you were speaking, um, I was just going throughout my day today and, Mm. um, you know, like I was thinking like, oh, I could have done that here. What, what, as you were speaking, like I could have, mm. I could have, you know, removed myself from this and, you know, went into my own safe space or right. my own, right. And, oh man, that it, it was kind of, it was like you were talking and, and like, and, and it's like you were there, like, telling me like you could have done this and you could have done that and you know it, it was it was awesome it was just awesome <laughs> Sorry. Mm, good good I'm glad I'm yeah. glad I, you know I just want to make sure that I'm focusing on the questions that you're answering because we can go on forever about this topic <laughs> mm-hmm. right right yeah wow um so one of the things that came to mind while we were talking is to We've been we've mentioned we haven't been throwing. We've actually been very careful in our use of toxic and, and using it properly, uh, which I'm very happy. Uh, so that leads me to kind of answer a question that if it popped up in my mind, I'm certain it's going to pop up or it's popping up in in our listeners' minds, which is what does toxic mean, like as a definition. And so I just took a moment to look up what toxic means. 
and it, as an adjective, it means poisonous. And okay. as an uh, as also as an uh, adjective, it's the definition of toxic is something poisonous or something very harmful or bad. A poison that will cause you to become very ill is an example of something that would be described as toxic. Uh-huh. Poisonous uh-huh. substances is the noun version. Um, which, it's funny because there's also a finance version or a financial definition of the word toxic, which is denoting or relating to debt, which, is, which has a high risk of default. And uh. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I've had some of that in my life. <laughs> and you know what's interesting to me? Um, for me, it's, it's clear. Mm-hmm. But I think some people will hear that and won't make the connection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's really interesting to me how people will, he- will hear that and won't be able to uh, place it in other spaces in their lives and will only think about diseases or mm-hmm. uh, actual poisons, right? But whenever you are in an environment where there is negativity and you're there long term, it does begin to poison your thought patterns, mm-hmm. it begins to poison your belief systems, it begins to poison your emotional well-being, and it begins to poison your mental health. Mm-hmm. And so when you operate in the rest, in the other spaces of your life, and you wonder, why can I not have a good relationship? Why can I not keep a job? Why can I not save any money? Mm-hmm. Why is there always something bad happening to me? you do get to look at the places and spaces and people in your life who you are allowing to poison you out of your blessings. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you get to take responsibility for yourself and be accountable and say, okay, it's time for me to do something differently. Now, you don't have to, mm-hmm. right? If you're fine living in that toxic space um, and being poisoned emotionally, spiritually, mentally, then that's fine. I never force healing on anyone, Mm -hmm. but it's always a choice that you can choose to make if you decide that you are not in the place that you want to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope our our listeners um, are understanding that there's the literal and then there's the metaphorical and then there's the spiritual uh, definition where that poisonous you know, fit that it's not literally okay. like you said. It's not literally always just this tangible poison. Um, right. So I hope they get it. I really do, and because um, it's very important. I am so loving this conversation. I'm actually glad that we um, we're having this and we are being very honest and being very open and candid. And because I believe that it's going to encourage someone to yeah. be that way with themselves and take the time to do the work. Um, I know I had to ask my friends, like, hey, listen, tell me some of my, my shortcomings and tell me some, some of the things that you don't like about me. And while it hurt, like I said, it hurt, but it also felt good because I was like, yes, because I firmly believe that if our friends don't tell us about ourselves from time to time or if our circle doesn't tell us about ourselves from time to time, I think mm-hmm. we're prone to then living in a fantasy where we believe that our, you know, that our crap is roses. Mm-hmm. Right, because I know, because I am, I know that for a fact, because I was there at one point where I was like, man, 
Like, all my friends love me. <laughs> everybody, at, you know, everybody at, at work loves me. Life is really good. This must be what they talk about. And who's they? Well, they is TV. They is the media. They is movies. They, is, you know, like books that say everything was perfect in the world. And it's like, this must be it. And it's like, psych, no, that type of euphoria is a false. It's just because, and that, that the only reason why that world exists is because somebody is biting their tongue. <laughs> Someone is not letting you have it, and you probably deserve a nice little reaming, but nobody's doing it because either someone's operating in grace, or maybe someone doesn't have the, the strength to say it because maybe you are intimidating and not in the good way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so I had to literally do the work. And when my friends and people um, that I worked with, when they started telling me about me, I was like, ooh, that's how I discovered I was a brat. Because my mom was like, well, yeah, you can be a brat sometimes. And I was like, well, you're my mom. Of course you're going to think I'm a brat at times. <laughs> and then, you know, a friend was like, uh, a couple of months later, a friend was like, you know, Nicole, you can be real bratty. And I was like, oh. I am a brat. I am a brat. I am. And I got super excited. And my friend was like, "Are you bugging? Like, are you are you on crack? Like, what's going on?" And I was like, "No, this just confirms." And I get excited for confirmation, right? Because that lets me know, okay, this is definitely what I need to work on, and I definitely need to get on the track to eliminating that. So I, you know, I have to manage the brattiness. And remember, babe, just the other day, I was telling you about that bratty side that I have to like manage and stuff. Right, um, but yeah. but also it's, it's a very thin line between bratty and being assertive and knowing what you want, right? You know, uh, that's uh -huh. true because today during my interview, the um, the guy asked me what are what are some what are three traits like what are some three traits about yourself, and I said, well, um, I'm communicative and I'm frank. And he said, well, all New Yorkers are. And I was just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but I laughed, you know. I was like, yeah. And I said, I'm, I can be bratty. And he looked at me and said, wait, what? And I said, you asked about three traits about myself. And he's like, yeah, but good ones. And I said, it's a good thing that I know I'm bratty at times because that means I can manage it. And I said to him this. I said, a brat, when you're bratty or your brattiness left unmanaged, is a tyrant, right? Mm. And it then runs amok in everybody else's world. But if you manage your brattiness and you learn that that, that, that energy can actually be redirected someplace else, when you realize that mm. really mm -hmm. your brattiness is because you're not getting your way, right? So you go, okay, is it okay that I'm not getting my way? Yes. Does that mean I can get my way in other areas? Yes. But am I, am I offending anybody if I go for mine? No? Okay, great. So I'm channeling that bratty energy into being proactive, into being vis a visionary, like wondering, okay, like how I envision something, maybe I need to revamp. And I said when it's left, when it's unchecked, it is a tyrant and it is uh, wreaking havoc on everyone else's life. When it's in check, it actually produces great fruit and it actually becomes a blessing for everyone else or actually becomes beneficial for everyone else because by my not taking no for an answer, 
and by my channeling my bratty energy into being proactive and, and looking for another avenue, I'm actually creating um, the way for everyone else to come behind or everyone else to join me and benefit from what I, we, we, we've attained. Or, you know what I mean? Does that make, is this, am I making sense? You are, you are. Yes. So he finally, he was like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. So I said, yes, I am a brat. <laughs> <laughs> I am a brat. And he laughed, but he understood. And so, but I could only get there if I did the work. If I did right. the work. And I, I had to do the work. And, and I don't know, Manny, what do you think? If we were to say, what would be something that you realized oh, maybe wasn't good or maybe isn't good, and you have channeled it for the better. Wow, you put me on the spot. Of course I am. <laughs> of course I am. And Phyla might be next, too. <laughs> I, thought we were, I, I thought we were interviewing Phyla. As we minister to her, as she ministers to us, we minister to ourselves, right? <laughs> um... I guess, um, like being able, being able to own, uh, own my shit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it it doesn't put me like in the position of, of being the, um, victim all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I, I, being a victim is, is not fun, is not. It, it, it's is having having somebody else have pity for you, mm. and I don't want to be in that position, right? So, you know what? I messed up. Yes, it, you know, like even at work, I have to I have to own really own my shit. No, you didn't do it bad. I told you bad information. It's on me. My bad. My fault. Okay, like. When I do that and, and my clients, they see that, you know, that, oh, God, um, this guy really owns his shit. Like, okay, you know, I'm like, I tell them, I'm, I'm human. You know, I'm going to make mistakes, too. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Let's just move on. So, like, that, and just owning my, my, my own, uh, my own Yes. <laughs> so you picked that. Hmm. I was going to say something, but I'm not. Well, no, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say what? it. So I thought you were going to talk about your procrastination. I knew you. <laughs> because I'm still working, okay? I'm, I'm a working project. You are. Right? And that's why I love it, because you're, gonna, you're channeling it into, you're trying to channel it into something else. But here's funny thing, Phyla, funny thing. So when he and I were, were engaged, I was concerned about him not having ambition, right? Mm-hmm. And God was like, oh, let me chin check you there, Nicole. Since you love chin checking people, uh, I'm going to chin check you. And he's like, it's not that he doesn't have ambition. His ambition looks different than yours. And I was like, ooh, okay. So he, told, he, you know, he revealed to me what his ambition was, which was to be a dedicated, devoted healthy father, and to build a home. And I'm like, boom, that's great. 
then I was like, but God, I also have this issue with procrastination, meaning like his 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 procrastination. <laughs> and, you know, God was like, yeah, I'm going to work on him, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that I remember, and I forgot, I always forget to share this because um, it, 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 the, the other thing was the revelation of him, his ambition of being a father. But so then God was like, you know, he showed me that there are times when it may look like procrastination to a girl and to a person like me who is like, things need to be, oh, it's 5 o'clock, that should have been done at 4.58. Um, oh, it's mm. 5.01, that can be done in two minutes, so by 5.03 we are done, and that leaves us 10 minutes to do this and to do this and to do this, right? So to a girl like me, something that's not getting done instantly looks like procrastination. No ifs, ands, or buts, like instantly. And that's me operating without grace. God was like, listen, you need to take a page out of his book. It's not that he procrastinates all the time. He does procrastinate. That is true. His procrastination is not 100% of the time. It is sometimes he is actually charting carefully his next moves. And just because his moves aren't happening on your time, it does not mean he's procrastinating you need to take a chill pill. Talk about conviction, right? <laughs> Talk about conviction. Talk about my jaw falling to the floor, and I'm like, oh, you mean, you mean he's not a procrastinator? And you know what? I felt like in that, in that moment, I felt like how could, how could I be robbed of feeling right, right? Because I thought I had him pegged. And I was like, yes, I got him pegged. He's a procrastinator. He's lazy. And da 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 da, da. And I'm, I'm right. And that's the bratty side. And, you know, sometimes we want to be right, even mm-hmm. when it's about the wrong things, strong just to feed wrong. our egos. Right, strong and wrong, right? Just strong and wrong. And I was like, huh. And then I was stripped of that. So I couldn't play victim. And I couldn't, I couldn't be a brat. And I had to, I had to basically acknowledge that, this was an aspect of Manny that to the untrained eye, um, a.k.a. my eye, looked like laziness and procrastination, which he does battle with, but not, not as much as my mind and my eye perceives it. And I have to, like, I have to pull back and be like, no, you know, he's charting his course, and this is how he does it. He, he's definitely a uh, measure twice, cut once. Maybe he's more like a measure four times cut once, but he does he does take in time with measuring. <laughs> I'm like measure once, cut once, or measure twice, cut once, or maybe sometimes I'm like don't even measure, just cut to your heart's desire, and then mm-hmm. have fun, and and that can be dangerous. <laughs> that can be dangerous, but yeah, that that's so that's my view on your procrastination, darling. Yes, yes. <laughs> I still love you. Yeah, I still love you too. You want to get married? <laughs> you brat. Yeah, you want to marry me? <laughs> Too late. Too late? You want to have a kid? <laughs> well, how about that? How about we have a kid? Uh-huh. You want to do that? Phyla, <laughs> 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 this is the uh, the silly side of Nicole. <laughs> it's good to have a silly side and when yeah. you have someone that you can be comfortable enough with to be silly then that's really yes. a good thing yes. that's what marriage is about being who you really are in front of someone who doesn't judge you for it oh, for sure 
for sure. And, um, you know, I, I thank you so much for, uh, for your honesty and being, just as you said, you know, you're able to, uh, it's important to be able to be silly and free in front of, you know, someone, especially your spouse. I just thank you for being free and candid and open and transparent with us. People who aren't no, thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you guys for having me. It's been, um, it's been a really good chat. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so it. much, Phyla. I mean, thank you. this this has been very awesome. Uh, it's opened my eyes to a lot of um, a lot of stuff that I still need to work on. Mm, we all do. So yeah. join the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> take a number. Sit, take a seat. Yeah, take exactly. Number, take a seat. Um, Kyla, please take this opportunity to promote your yourself and your business. Uh, the full name, your Instagram, um, and and any email or how people can get in touch with you because we want women to listen to this, whether on our platform or on your platform, doesn't matter. We want women to be able to take advantage of you and your gems. Oh, absolutely. So um, I make it really easy. You can follow me on all social platforms at at she is Phyla. That's at S-H-E-I-S-F as in flower, I-L-A on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can follow me on any of those platforms. I run them all myself. So you can DM me, message me, and I respond. Or you can send me an email uh, to phyla at phylaantwine.com if you're interested in coaching. I offer monthly master classes. I have private coaching programs. I um, mean, I also have an online course, which is self-study, which will be launching in April. So find me on any social media platform at, at she is Phyla, and I would love to connect and talk and chat with any of you. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So, um, listeners, we just want to thank you for joining us this evening. Um, you know, we air every 23rd, so come back next month and listen to our next episode, which is going to be centered on healing uh, the marriage. So that's going to be fun. I'm excited about that. And, um, Manny, why don't you take us away? So we like to end our podcast with a little scripture reading. And uh, this episode's reading is from 3 John. Uh, 3 John verse, no, uh, book 1 verse 2. Uh, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all, you may, all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. I know I, I, I kind of messed it up, but yes. You did a good job. Right? <laughs> let, those who, let those who need to receive it, receive it. They'll receive it, right? Exactly. Um, so that's our wish, and that's our prayer. That's our heartfelt uh, prayer for you guys, is that um, you enjoy good health, especially you uh, beautiful women out there who are trying to heal and are trying to identify toxic traits in your life um, after this podcast episode, um, I pray that you enjoy good health and that you start your journey and that all goes well with that journey and that your soul is also along 
for the journey and getting along with it. That's my husband and I's prayer for you. Phyla, thank you so much once again. We couldn't have done this episode without you. And um, Thank you so much. If, my pleasure. Thanks any, a lot. If we can have you on another one any, in, in future seasons, I would love to have you back. Um, you're, just, you're just awesome. And, um, Aw, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Ladies and gents, um, take the time to love one another. Take the time to serve one another. Take the time to operate in grace. This is our letter to you. And we end this with um, all sincerity and uh, love Ledesma. Love Ledesma. (laughs) Good night. (laughs)